Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How you long? <laughs> you have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? We ate two feet wiener. Oh, listen, Lavernius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. And just like that, we are into the second hour. Welcome aboard. You've done it. Congratulations, you found the Barbecue Central show. We talk about a lot of cool barbecue and grilling type stuff here. We do it each and every Tuesday, a live show from 9 to 11. It's also being recorded at the same time. And hour one of this show will be released on Wednesday. Hour two will be released on Thursday. Also, the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less continues to be released every Friday. Thanks to John Solberg. Appreciate that. So three consecutive days of Barbecue Central show stuff. And over the last couple weeks, you've actually been getting four out of seven days with bonus content. Michael Simon last week and this week you got some Manila Kelso with Snake River Farm. So man, oh man, you have been getting the Barbecue Central show content fast and furious. And it show no signs of stopping. Uh, John Dawson weighing in again with the subject line open pit ramps. Being from the hinterlands of Ashtabula, I too grew up eating open pit in the 70s. But the current version is vile. With the staining, perhaps we have now cracked the Trump mystery. I'm a man. I'm 40. Maybe. Maybe the president is a lover of open pit. I don't know. I can guarantee you he will not be on this show. Way too busy. I've tweeted him out many times asking him if he would like to come on to talk about barbecue and grilling. I've not gotten any answer. However, I can only assume he might be a little bit more of a difficult chase than Michael Simon, and that took me well over two years. So stick with the show. That's what I'm telling you. You never know who's going to fall out. You never know who's going to be coming up. For instance, I didn't know if I was going to be able to book my guest in the next segment, Grill Mama, but I did. So keep the positive outlook. You never know who's going to come on this show. Getting Michael Simon on the show in whatever form ended up being, that was you know pre-recorded, but he still did it. That could stem the tide. That could turn the tide. Could have the likes of... B. Flay, A. Brown, I. G. And I'm not talking about Instagram. I'm talking about the woman who I would marry on the Food Network. Ina Garten, bring it, bring it. And she can keep Jeffrey, too. That dude's funny. As I had mentioned, still to come on the show tonight, Melissa Grill Mama Riome. So check her out in about 12 minutes from now. Don't forget to follow me socially on these media platforms at BBQ Central Show on Instagram. That's at BBQ Central Show. 
You can also me. Uh, you can also follow me at the same handle on Twitter, Facebook. Just drop in the website, and then at the end, slash BBQ Central Show, and then give my page a like. Also, in the news button feature, make sure that you show the Barbecue Central to show in your feed first. There's a setting there if you mess around with it. You can show all of the stuff. Anytime I dump something new into my Facebook and you mark it as show first, it will show right at the top of your feed. So you'll be kept alert on all breaking news and posts, hot takes, all that crap right there on your news feed. Also, don't forget that I am doing a weekly in-studio appearance locally here in Cleveland on the John Cupo Show. The radio station is actually based in Willoughby, Ohio, so if you have any type of direction or locality recognition here in the great north coast, that's where it is, just on the outskirts of Willoughby, really. But it's a small little station. I had listened to it this morning, and I went from uh, 90 east, uh, well, I was heading westbound into town, and right before I got to... Uh, where 90 and 2 split off over by Burke Lakefront Airport. It started to sketch out a little bit. So, you know, from Willoughby to there, it's probably about a 15-minute drive. So, you know, 20 miles-ish, I would say. But as promised, they're going to turn that, uh, what do you call that thing? Tower? They're going to turn it up, and it should blast out towards the rain. I mean, that's damn near an hour from Willoughby. So there should be some reach coming. So we're just slowly building the fire on the John Cupo show right now. And it usually starts around 7.30 in the morning on a Friday, every Friday. I will be on the show this Friday. I believe all of his normal scheduled guests have backed out, but not me. I said, you. we said every Friday, I will be here. I'm here when I work. I will be here when I don't work. I'm happy to do it. So if you are not doing anything Friday at 0730 Eastern, nursing a hangover, nursing your overeating hangover or whatever it is, tune me in, wintradio.com, I think, or just search WINT Radio in Google and you'll get the address. Email from Dion Blumenrader. Greg, discovered your show on podcast about a month ago and wanted to let you know that it has changed my life. I used to be engrossed in politics and political talk shows and was slowly losing my soul as they eroded my spirit and filled me with division and hate, which is a microcosm of exactly what's going on in this country anymore, regardless of idiotic political, I'm sorry, idiotic political affiliation. A friend turned me on to podcasting. I searched around and ended up finding your show. Not even sure how I really did that. Let's call it fate. Okay, let's do that. I've thoroughly enjoyed every second of it, and I listen to it every single day, and I'm doing it through the archives. I have a lot of catching up to do, but I'm more than willing and up for the task. Your show is very unique, extremely professionally done, which makes it easy to listen to and contains so much information that I can use and has made me a listener for life. I don't know what motivates you to put the work into the show that you do, but I am very appreciative that you do it. Keep up the great work and keep raising the bar on barbecue podcasts as you are already doing. 
I also wanted to let you know, I just ordered a Gorilla Grill Silverback Series yesterday, and your show was pivotable, uh, p- pivotal in my decision because of all the information you offered and the interview you did with them. I'll back out of this email for a second. I did that interview at National Barbecue, I Am Barbecue 2018. Uh, Mark and Shane were at the conference, and we brought them in and had a little powwow with them. That's what he's talking about. You offered, uh, let me uh, back into that email now, Silverback Series yesterday, and uh, your show was pivotal in my decision because of all the information you offered and the interview you did with them. Honestly, wouldn't have known about them out here in South Dakota had it not been for your show. I compete with a friend of mine at Mostly Backyard Stuff up here, and we use a offset reverse flow stick burner, and I use a Hunsaker drum. And we'll now look forward to adding this gorilla to the fleet. We are Big Hoss Barbecue, and we have a Facebook page. Thanks again for all you do, Greg, and War Great Barbecue Podcasts. Hope I used that right, as I used to be an avid Jim Rome listener until our radio station dropped. What? Get that big stuff out of here. Radio station Jop Romy. Oh, my Lord. Luckily, you can listen online at cbsradio.com. If you have the ability to stream audio, I'm assuming you do, Dion. Uh, grateful listener, Dion Blumenrader, Big Hoss Barbecue. Dion, thank you, sir. What a well-crafted email. Thank you so much. Appreciate your appreciation for the show, the content that it is providing, the guests that we are bringing on, the topics that we are covering. And by we, I mean me. And the core group, the embedded correspondents, and John Solberg, who I guess technically is an embedded correspondent. He's in the bullpen ready to go when anybody else backs out or has other pressing issues. But he is in the circle of confidence. Also, Stover Harger III, SH3, as we call him today. So we're happy to, to bring this content to you. I'm more than happy to put in this work during my free time outside of normal daytime business hours. We're just trying to put together a great show that has some entertainment, has a lot of real value for you to be able to go right out in the backyard, or when the show is a little bit more onto the competition stuff, you could turn out that weekend and try and help you compete a little bit better, things of this nature. So yeah. Very happy that you're interested in the show and that you're listening, Dion. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving. All right, we got Melissa Riome coming up, Grill Mama. Lots to talk to her about. Can't wait. In the meantime, I'm going to quickly talk to you about Green Mountain Grills. These are really some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market. Three different ones to choose from. If you are somebody that's really on the move, but you want that pellet-fired taste, the Davy Crockett is the one that you really have to look at, and you can actually cook quite a bit of food in this portable unit. If you don't have access to a traditional power outlet, don't worry, because you can also use the 12-volt adapter that's in your car, truck, van, and SUV. By the way, this unit will fit in the back of cars, trucks, and SUVs. So if you're really into college football and that tailgate scene or professional football in that tailgate scene, or if your school's still in it, high school tailgate scene, you're ready to rock and roll. 
Now, if you want something a little bit more permanent on the back patio, or you can pull out to the street block parties from the backyard, Daniel Boone or the Jim Bowie, something you're going to want to do. If you're on the fence, if you're really looking at the Daniel Boone, but your first thought is, do I want to spend the extra money for the Jim Bowie? I say yes. You're never going to regret spending a couple hundred extra bucks and getting the bigger one. You will always regret saving what will be in your mind at that point as just a couple hundred bucks and not having the room that you want. We're always looking at it going, I should have brought the I should have got the big Don't live with remorse. Don't live with regret. Spend the couple extra hundred bucks if you're on the fence and get the bigger one. Or get them both. You know you're gonna use them. Here's the great thing. Either the Daniel Boone or the Jim Bowie can be converted into that high heat pizza oven with the Green Mountain Grill pizza oven insert. So you just rip the guts out of either one of those cookers, you drop in the pizza insert. And then you're off and running. If you don't feel like doing dough today, do you have a great market where you can buy really big pitas? I do. I go downtown, go to Aladdin's Bakery, get really extra large pitas, put the sauce, put the toppings on. Man, they cook up great. I run my cooker at 320 degrees. It's about 640 degrees or so in the oven on the stone. Makes perfect pizzas for me. You do it how you like, but for 130 bucks, it's almost part and parcel. You get the Jim Bowie, or you get the Daniel Boone, you have to get the pizza oven insert. All right, Grill Mama coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue a man actually named meathead the author of a barbecue bible bloggers reviewers competitors and manufacturers by the dozens it's the barbecue central show once again here's your host greg rempe all right welcome back this portion of the show being brought to you by smithfield that's right you looking to be a committed cook this year we'll head on over to smoking with smithfield.com and sign up for the committed cooks program that's right you got 500 spots it's like 25 bucks to sign up that basically covers the shipping you get like a couple hundred bucks worth of really cool smithfield swag so come on you gotta go out be a committed cook. Don't forget, they also track first place in ribs, first place in pork, so you can get some extra swag there as well. Just appreciate the support from the good folks over at Smithfield, absolutely, and they'll be continuing on in 2019 as well. All right, my guest in the second hour is quite the go-getter, full-time day job, full-time parent, and full-time Instagrammer to top it all off. If you are on Instagram following good barbecue and grilling stuff, I bet you're already following my next guest. Her handle is at Grill Mama. She is catering each and every day to her 85,000-plus followers with great content. So we race to the hotline and welcome first-timer to the show, Melissa Riome. Melissa, how are you? Hey, Greg. How you doing, honey? I'm doing absolutely fabulous. Appreciate you making time for the show tonight. And uh, lots of different places that we can start. Uh, typically, I do like background and stuff first, but I think we'll actually... 
roll that back until the next segment. And let's hit the impending Thanksgiving holiday. So I've asked both of my guests in the first hour what their childhood recollections were of Thanksgiving and what it was like for you growing up and all that. So uh, give us some of your high-level thoughts and what do you remember coming up as a kid in Thanksgiving? I think very much like Stephen and Adrian, um, for me, my best memories was going to my grandmother's house. And she was kind of like the matriarch of the family. And she sat behind, like right in front of the stove and had a huge table that basically the entire kitchen was a table and everybody would sit around the table and the kids would be in the next room and she baked her own bread. And she was one of those, you think of that wonderful grandmother that just bakes way too much food and there was pie everywhere and just food everywhere, enough for twice as many, three times as many people. And you would walk into that kitchen and see all that food. And it was just amazing, you know? And, um, I think a lot of that's lost anymore, right? We, um, what do you attribute uh, that to? Is it just everybody's trying to get it right now and everybody's trying to make all the money and blah, blah, blah? Or what do you think? Um, you know, for myself, like you said before, you know, I work full time. Uh, my husband works full time. And I think a lot of people are burning the candle at both ends anymore. Um, myself, you know, I'm working Thanksgiving, <laughs> which is which is tough, right? Uh, my family lives in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Uh, my other family, uh, Syracuse, New York. And then, you know, further south than that. So um, the reality of being in the medical profession is, um, you know, I can't, uh, you have to be there for your patients. Um, they're first. Um, and then sadly, your, your family's second sometime. But at least it's shorter um, hours on the holiday. So I could still get home and, and cook something. But I can't make as big as a feast as I usually like to. So do you think 30 years ago, like all this extended family was just way more close to each other than we are now? Yeah, I feel like it's different times. Um, you know, I just, I can't speak for when my grandmother was younger, um, but I know my mother um, had many siblings. So there was always this huge family and there were always people coming and going out, in the, you know, through that door. <laughs> Even if it wasn't family, it was your friends that were also your family. And now, um, you know, when I can't see my actual family on the holidays, you know, I'm walking up the street with a ham to the neighbor's house. <laughs> know because they are your family too um it's just a different sense of the term um just not blood relatives family right you know your your friends are important as well and sometimes you kind of make them your family when you can't actually see your own family uh, melissa Riom joining me here on the show at grill mama on instagram so as you had mentioned you're going to be kind of working on thanksgiving so that's going to stifle maybe some of the grandiose plans but Uh, (laughs) What kind of Thanksgiving, if it wasn't a year that you would be working, uh, what kind of a traditional Thanksgiving do you do? Or perhaps do you like to skew it the other way and and not be traditional? Um, I am pretty traditional. Um, I, um, you know, I'm all about... I have to say the turkey isn't my favorite part of the whole meal. I'm all about the stuffing. Like I will go through all this trouble to make sure the turkey's spectacular for everybody else, but stuffing's my jam. <laughs> you know, give me a hunk of cold stuffing out of the refrigerator the next morning, and I don't even need to heat it up. I'm happy. Um, but I still, I'll make all the, you know, traditional sides. Of course, you know, the mashed potatoes and corn. Hey, I have to ask you, that corn you were yeah. talking about, was that like the white corn? Yes, yeah. Oh, that's my favorite. Um, you can't find it that much. And like you said, there's um, it, there for, a for us, it is. Um, so I live in I live 10 miles south direct or uh, east directly of downtown Cleveland. 
And then mm-hmm. another 20 miles directly east of me is this town called Perry. And it's nothing but farms. So there's a lot of nursery. So they grow for actually like the Lowe's and the Home Depot stuff. They grow out yeah. there. But then there's these corn farms. And right there in the middle to end of August, that two to three week time frame, the Silver King corn. It's like, you know, Jesus drops it out of the sky <laughs> onto the stalk. And it is just, and everybody shows up. It's a ghost town. Yeah. Uh, 11 months out of the year but for that one month everybody is showing up and they are buying it's not like you buy six ears you're buying six dozen at a time because that could be the last time you get it and it is a magical piece of corn i can tell you that oh i'm jealous there's a place called kundla's bar i grew up in pennsylvania uh scranton pennsylvania but uh there's a place um called um, Kundla's Barbecue Pit. And it's a big uh, outdoor open fire barbecue pit where they do ribs and chicken. It's amazing. But they always have that that white corn. Mm. And it's honestly my favorite part of the whole thing. And you could buy bags of it. And it's not like you can go and buy, uh, you know, huge amounts like that. But oh my God, I love it. Like I wish I had something like that where I could do that here. Um, but, um, but anyway, so, you know, the corn and mashed potatoes and stuffing and I'm a Brussels sprout girl, (laughs) Um, pancetta, bacon, Mm. um, you know, maybe some carrots with dill and butter and, um, but very traditional for me. Um, Give me the basics. I used to go above and beyond and make way too much food. But what happens when you're the cook in the kitchen, you get stressed out, you're, you sit there and look at this huge table of food and half the time, most of it's left over, right? Right. So kind of like everybody, what's your favorites? What do you want? What can't you live without? And then I'll make some extra things as well. Um, I'm trying to make some homemade pies, even though I'm working. Um, like tonight, I'm going to get my turkey started and, uh, you know, dry brining that. Um, so I work all day tomorrow, so I can't prep tomorrow. Um, that way, when I get home from work or even before I go to work, I'll start doing some stuff on Thanksgiving and then finish it when I get home. So what's your favorite <laughs> way to do turkey? Uh, traditionally I'm a wet brine girl, um, and I won't, uh, spatchcock it, but I'm actually going to, because of my short kind of time schedule this year, I'm actually going to spatchcock it and dry brine it, which I've never actually dry brined a bird before or not a turkey at least. Um, so we're going to do something different. Why not? Um, I just cooked a turkey a couple days ago and wet brined it. So <laughs> I just have a lot of turkey going on lately. Would it give you uh, extra confidence to know that Meathead actually from AmazingRibs.com uh, does only recommend dry brining and spatchcocking? <laughs> well, you know, for me, um, I like to experiment and do different things. Um, I know the issue with wet brining is what, you know, that it's not penetrating into the meat. And, but for me, if you're, when I'm wet brining, all that good stuff and the, the drippings that I'm using to make gravy out of, um, it is picking up some of that flavor from the brine that is, you know, coming off of that turkey. So when people talk about the negative about wet brining, they're often like, that's it. It doesn't get in the meat. You just get the salt. What's the point? Just dry brine it. But for me, that's adding extra layers of flavor to my gravy and everything. So I get it. It's messier. It's more time consuming. It's probably easier to to dry brine. But, you know, for me, either way, I don't care. You know, I, I have a briner bucket. It's not like I have some big cooler where I'm, you know, taking up a, a ton of space. It's not a project to boil some stuff on the stove and make a wet brine. And it smells fabulous. So for me, it's not a big deal for some people who may think that's a lot of work. The hell with it, you know. Don't bother. <laughs> Go ahead and dry brine your bird. Um, but you know, when you're on a time schedule, then hey, 
you know, this is great too. So do you I'm have, team either way. Do what the heck you want. You know? Why not? Um, do you have a, a, a method of if you've left the turkey in the freezer too long and, it, you know, it's not too big where you might not be able to frost? Do you have like a, a favorite quick to frost method? First of all, don't be that person. <laughs> Second right. of all, <laughs> anybody watching this, don't be that person. Um, but no, you can just throw it for anybody who is listening and hasn't uh, had their turkey defrosting. You could just throw it. Uh, you have to make sure it's covered with cold water first. So whether it's a, a cooler, a bucket, um, you know, fill the cooler up, throw that frozen bird in there. Um, and the thought is that you need to replace that water like every 30 minutes to keep mm. it cold because you don't want it to be in the danger uh, zone and growing bacteria and everything. So I believe they say it's about uh, 30 minutes per pound of turkey. So if you have a 12-pound turkey, you're looking at six hours. Now, of course, that means changing the water every 30 minutes for six hours. So um, ideally, if it's today and you realize that you didn't defrost it, yeah, you know, you could get that done tomorrow if you didn't have to be work or, you know, or after work. So it is possible to do so. I wouldn't want to do it with a giant bird and be babysitting it for, you know, 10 hours to defrost, uh, to defrost it. But for anybody who's at that point today, yeah, it's feasible. You could do it. Absolutely. What's your target finish temp on turkey? I pull it around 160 because you're going to get that carryover. So a lot of people look at the recommendations and they go, oh, 165 deep in the breast. And of course, the th you know, the dark meat's going to be higher. But what, what do these people do who a lot of people read recipes and it's in black and white to them, right? But people who cook know, okay, it's not necessarily like that. You have to, you know, accommodate for carryover temperature. So I'll usually pull it around 160 and then I'll just loosely tent foil over it. By the time it actually carries over, I let it sit for a good half an hour, you know, with the foil tented over it, and it'll carry to 165. So you pull it at 165, it goes to 170 or higher, then you're kind of getting to the area where, yeah. Hope you <laughs> have enough gravy. Still be good. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, from a dark meat, white meat, do you have a preference, or do you pretty much eat any of the turkey regardless? Um, I, I am team both. However, I am, give me the turkey leg, but give me white meat off the breast too, but I don't want the thighs. <laughs> so I will do both. Um, and I'm the only person in my family who will eat the legs. So really? they're all mine, but I'll have some, uh, you know, if I'm mixing some turkey and with some mashed potatoes and gravy, I want the white meat. If I'm just sitting there like, you know, going all corn carnivore, I want my turkey leg. <laughs> so what's your gravy recipe? I know a lot of people like to use drippings, and some people let them, like if they're cooking on a grill, they don't put a pan underneath, or they haven't given it enough thought to put a catch underneath it. So what's your process in that? Um, yeah, I'm not somebody who, I will grill my bird, but I will not smoke my bird beyond the uh, flavor that I'm getting off of the charcoal. So um you know, a lot of people do will throw extra hickory or pecan or whatever it may be, apple in there with their turkey. Um, and I don't want smoky flavor in my gravy. <laughs> so for me, I don't do that. Um, I'll get the drippings. Um, I'll usually keep some turkey stock on hand in an ideal world. Um, if I'm not so busy with work and everything, yeah, it would be great to roast some turkey bones with some, uh, you know, celery and onion and herbs and everything, and then make stock out of that. But Let's face it, sometimes, you know, we're in a pinch, we're busy with our lives, and we need to do it. So I'll always, um, you know, boil all the gizzards and, uh, you know, all of that stuff, kind of use that, plus some turkey stock, use aromatics, um, 
and uh, the drippings that I get off the turkey after I strain all that off and everything as well. So, Let's talk about 2018 <laughs> and what you saw as a food trend either emerge and take over the world <laughs> or one that started out hot and kind of petered off. Or give me one of each. Adrian Miller said he thought that it was the, the rise and fall of the pork belly. What do you think? <laughs> Um, I think pork belly isn't necessarily gone. Um, and it depends in, yeah, if you're talking about pork belly burnt ends, you know, that is just a kind of like blown up all over the place. Um, but for me, my favorite is like crispy pork belly. And a lot of people get intimidated by doing it because they either, you know, don't get that crackle. And for me, that's a lot of fun. And there's a lot of gratification of knowing you did it and you did it well. <laughs> um, anybody can make pork belly burn dens. That's, you know, easy. You just you know, smoke them, throw them in some stuff. Um, and that was very much like a fad, um, a better fad than beer can chicken. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> but but um, for me, you know, it depends what we're talking about pork belly. I wouldn't say, you know, the, the whole crispy pork belly, that's been something that's been around for a long time and not necessarily a fad, but I think the pork belly burnt ends are getting to that point where it's just like, okay, we, we've seen we've seen it, we've done it. Um, I think originally um, when that was done from you know bacon and making actually curing bacon and making you know burnt ends out of that, that's amazing. But that's not what the majority of people do, right? They just cube up pork belly, smoke it, throw some sauce in there, you know, get it all tender and everything, render that fat down. And to me, I eat it and I'll go, okay, but. I'm not like wildly craving it and loving it. Yeah. The crispy pork belly done well, I absolutely love that. I did the pork belly burn ends, I think, three or four times over the course of like late spring through the summer. And I have uh, myself, I'm the man in the family, and then I have uh, three daughters and a wife. And I mean, it's a pretty good gauge there on what is good eating because they'll eat it. And then you can either see the fire in the eyes, like, oh, this is something that we should be making a lot more of, like a lot more frequently, or they're right. like, oh, this tastes good. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. So, and the pork belly was kind of more in the in the latter. And what I found was, so it looks cool. It's a pretty easy process. Tastes really good. But when you actually put it in your mouth, it's pretty rich. I mean, it's a pretty fatty piece of meat even when you render it down there's still a lot of internal fat so i thought after yeah. you know five pieces i mean i was pretty much done i wasn't gonna you know fit another 20 or so down my mouth like i could eat 20 atomic buffalo turds because they're delicious <laughs> but i couldn't eat 20 pork belly burn ends i don't think. no no i'm right there with you i can eat a couple and um like you said it depends on a lot of things it depends on that specific piece of pork belly you got um how lean it was and god forbid if it's a really fatty piece you could have that sitting there smoking rendering for like so long and still you're at that point now i know like some people will you know compress it down to um you know try to lessen that effect but yeah, you know, you're just going to walk away with a stomachache after a few pieces. So it's, um, and then you have this big vat of them, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's not something that I want to eat the next day. I'll eat it, you know, go, okay, that's, that's pretty good. And then I, I'm done with it. Um, bacon, on the other hand, that I'll just keep eating. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Uh, predictions for 2019. Do you see something emerging that's really going to hit? at the turn of the year or maybe something that's kind of popular now that you think might really gain steam towards the beginnings of 2019? Oh God. Um, 
That's hard. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm starting to see, not necessarily in the whole world of barbecue, but, um, and I haven't given that much thought, but I'm seeing a lot of people, even within my, say, grilling barbecue friends, really getting into um, doing pizzas now. I know that it's on, you know, something that's not a, like a fad or a trend, but usually in terms of people grilling, you don't see that as much. You know, people occasionally do it. I think some people, depending on the grill, are a little intimidated by doing it well. Um, and I'm seeing a lot more people kind of get into that. And I have a lot of people message me like, how do you do your pizza dough? How do you do this? How do you do that? Um, but I think that's really cool, you know, because so many people just go to the store, buy pizza dough and people kind of getting that hands on, okay, I'm doing this start to finish, you know, doing it myself. And there's so much for me, there's so much more gratification in saying, yes, I made that dough. I, <laughs> I did everything. I made that sauce. I completely made that pizza. And, um, I get a lot of enjoyment out of that. So. Do you have a, a dough recipe that you can share with us quickly, or is it more I involved? use, um, it's, if you Google it, it's the Antimo Caputo um, zero, zero flour. So a lot of these, um, you know, zero, zero flours are what you'll see in a lot of, like, Roberta's, uh, like, Roberta's has a good pizza dough recipe online, but the one I use, um, there's actually a PDF online. So <laughs> that flour, that Antimo Caputo zero, zero flour, you can buy repackaged on Amazon, or you could buy it direct from Forno Bravo. Um, and if anybody watching this wants the recipe, just send me a message, uh, or drop me an email, and I could just send you the file, too. Um, but it's not hard. I mean, you can do it by hand. I do it in a kitchen si KitchenAid mixer and then just finish it by hand and roll it all out. And um, it's not that hard, you know, a couple hours and you have a whole bunch of dough. You can freeze it if you want to use on another day. So what, you spend a couple hours of time. I think that's the biggest complaint. People say, but that takes so much time. I'm like, so what? You're sitting there on a day off watching TV, right? Get up, <laughs> spend a couple minutes to mix it, right? Then it has to sit for a couple hours and rise, whatever. Get back up, make a ball. You know, the actual time that you're actually doing it isn't that much. Um, you just kind of work it into everything else you're doing. And it's not hard. It's easy. And there's only a couple ingredients. It's quite literally, you know, flour, salt, yeast, um, and water. That's it. So... It's easy and it doesn't cost much to do it either so melissa riome the grill mama joining me here on the show can i hold you over for one more segment we'll talk a little more like instagram stuff whatever you want honey sure all right stand by we are talking with the grill mama melissa riome right here on the show we will be back with her in one second i'll talk to you quickly about big pop smokers that's right, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue. Their curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies get you on the better path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at Big Pop Smokers has been Pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself. From the award-winning rubs and sauces, the American-made grills and smokers, Big Papa's has something for everybody. They also are well-known for the championship rubs and seasonings, popular flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, all proven winners. On the competition circuit and in the backyard, Big Papa Smokers offers 13 perfectly balanced flavors that transform ordinary meals into extraordinary. Whether you're cooking to impress the judges or grilling for family and friends, Big Papa Smokers award-winning rubs just don't disappoint. They also own Granny's Barbecue Sauce. If you're looking for a new go-to barbecue sauce that will please everybody, Granny's traditional yet powerful flavors remind us why we fell in love with barbecue in the first place. Find Granny's Barbecue Sauce and other top-rated barbecue sauces at BigPapaSmokers.com. And aside from the premium selection of rubs and sauces, Big Papa Smokers offers the very best pellet charcoal and wood cookers available today. 
You're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use? Check out that MAC 2-star General Pellet Grill. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive MAC dealer, and even offers special packages online. Not a fan of pellet smokers? All right. Take a look at the old Hickory Ace BP. It's the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. And if you're a backyard enthusiast like me, looking for a durable and versatile grill that will last forever, the M Grill from Texas is just what you need. They're built like tanks. Look, it's clear that Big Papa Smokers is the place to go for all things barbecue. Every product featured on their website has been hand-selected to help you barbecue better. Boost your barbecue skills with the help of Big Papa Smokers. If you have any questions, call them 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop the website, BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. We are back with the Grill Mama. Right after this, stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. And this portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. And if you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your house... You're in luck because Fireboard fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. All right. Oh, there we go. Melissa, thanks for hanging with me through the break. Hey. So let's talk a little bit about your background and how... You took whatever your food interest was and then found some type of a, pardon the pun, spark for live fire cook. I um, always love to cook. Um, most people that know me well, um, ever since I could reach a stove and cook with my mom, I was always in the kitchen cooking. So it wasn't something, um, you know, poof, I just decided I, I wanted to cook when I was older. I was always there doing it. And, you know, that was back in the day with my mom when, you know, you were lucky you had a cookbook in the house. You know, there wasn't the internet. <laughs> you know, I uh, um, I would sit there and just try to create stuff myself. Um, we only had a gas grill growing up. Um, I knew I have two sisters and a brother. Uh, my sisters really weren't um, very interested in cooking and weren't very good at it either. <laughs> so. I would uh, I would do the grilling at home. I remember one time my sister was out there and, you know, I was probably like 12, 11 years old. And I'm like, you know, don't touch the grill. I have to run to the store. I'll be right back. And I come back and she like torched, you know, the, the you know, the hair off of her face. And um, so I've always had this interest in cooking and, and grilling, but uh, I didn't actually... Well, I should back up and say I always wanted uh, a smoker of some sort. And, you know, it wasn't until I actually had my own house that I'm like, all right, you know, now I, I want one. Um, one of my good friends from college, he uh, was talking about a big green egg. And I'm just like, what is this thing? I live in upstate New York, so it's not like we have grill stores to go to. Um, like, where I, where I don't at know in upstate talking. New York? <laughs> What's that, honey? We're at in upstate New York. Uh, I live in Vestal, which is right next to Binghamton, so an hour okay. and a half south of Syracuse. Sure, I know exactly where that is. Um, so, yeah, we, we didn't have much like that here. Uh, so I remember him talking about it, and I'm like, 
well, if you, you, you know, I'm like, I want to do that. I'm like, you know, tell me how this works. And I'm like, this is fascinating. And I'm like, I want one. So, uh, my big green egg was my first, I say real grill, mm-hmm. <laughs> my non-gas, uh, grill way back when. And that day that I lit that big green egg, I was hooked. I lit that charcoal. I think I made like ribs and chicken. That was my first cook. And from that day on, my gas grill was storage for my big green egg supplies. Mm. So um, that just, again, it took off from there. And at that time, I it was like anything and everything. I didn't use my oven. I didn't use my gas grill. Like anything I could cook, I was... I'm like, because, you know, let's face it, you know, a big green egg, whether it's a, a Kamado style grill, it is like an oven. Um, you know, you can do anything in it. You can do low and slow. You can do fast. And I'm like, I don't need to use my stove. And especially in upstate New York, it's kind of funny because, you know, six months, we basically have winter. Yep. And, you know, you're in Ohio. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so I'm out there doing this year round. And it was kind of funny and entertaining for me. And I'm like, you know, what for me, it was almost like a, a game. What can't I do? on this. Um, and I just love the thrill of it. I love the thrill of like starting a fire and, and being able to do that. So it was a couple years before I added any other grills. Um, I, you know, and it was just pretty much exclusive to using my big green egg and much like some of the other people that have those style grills, it's like this passion, you get hooked on it and you're obsessed with it and (laughs) you just absolutely love it. And, um, and then began my um, my Instagram, you know, cooking and putting it on there as well. How long ago was that? Like, when did you? So did you? Did you know about, or when did you kind of get into social media? But then when did you realize that you wanted to kind of harness the power? Or when were you seeing that there was some type of traction with whatever you were doing and saying, "Hey, this is something I should really start to harness." Well. I had a personal account first, and I was very naive to social media. I was one of the few that wasn't on Twitter. Yeah, I had a personal Facebook account. So it was me grilling stuff, showing it on my big green egg, and then, you know, pictures of, like, my uh, my animals and my family and stuff. And I would have – it was kind of interesting because you would have food accounts that would follow you or companies that would follow you. And then it got kind of weird because it was – for me, it was like pictures of birds and then pictures of barbecue and like then the onslaught of vegan attacks because I I have birds, but yet I'm making a chicken and everything, um, which is ridiculous. But anybody in the barbecue uh, world, at least on social media, has probably been, you know, subject to the vegan attacks. Um, but there was one day and I'm just like, you know what, I need to separate the two. Um, I want to have an account where I could just basically follow other food accounts and Let's face it, on social media, a lot of us follow people that maybe necessarily, whether it's family or certain friends, you don't want to see their pictures. And, you know, we don't want to admit that all the time. But um, I think it's true for a lot of people. So I wanted to create an account that was just my food, no pictures of my animals, no pictures of my family, just that, and and go from there. And I was sitting in a restaurant one day and... Uh, you know, decided to do it and created the account sitting there having lunch by myself <laughs> and it took off. Um, and it was a it's a hell of a learning experience for anybody who's been there. And, you know, a couple of years on Instagram, it was a, a much different beast. Um, it took off really fast. I was naive. I didn't know anything that, you know, people did stuff for companies. To me, it was just posting pictures. I didn't know there was this whole other world of, of marketing and, 
you know, influencers or um, that whole other side of it. So when, you know, that first time a company reaches out to you and says, hey, you know, we want to send you our rubs or whatever it may be, you're like, wait, wh- why do you want to send me this? And you're so naive at that point where at least I was, you know, a couple years ago. I'm like, oh, that's cool. They like what I do. But you don't realize necessarily they want it to do it for your exposure, right? Right. <laughs> it's not really free per se. Um, and so the whole thing, you know, this has been a couple of years now and um, an unbelievable learning experience. Um, like I said, Instagram, as you know, is a much different beast than it was a few years ago. And it was much easier to grow a lot quicker. Um, you know, I would use products and that I, if I liked them, I would absolutely say, yeah, that's what I use. Because the reality is I would post something and somebody go, oh, well, what is that on there? Or what kind of grill is that? Or, you know, it wasn't, um, you know, I bought my big green egg. <laughs> it wasn't like they, they gave it to me. Right. And for me, it was being part of a community, right? You know, you have all these other eggheads that are doing it. Hey, you know, like, look at my pictures. Or you hashtag, you see other people um, that are doing that as well. And you're learning from them, right? I, I was um, not, you know, I'm a self taught cook. Um, I have no formal training. So me sitting there lighting that fire on my big green egg, you know, if you have some kind of cooking background to begin with, and I always love to cook, then it's just learning the principles of how the grill works. And you can translate all of that and do the same thing. So some people would say, oh, that's crazy that you can do all that in such a short period of time. But if you always love to cook and have that background, no, it just might be learning certain techniques, you know, doing brisket, whatever, whatever it may be, um, because things like that, obviously, I hadn't cooked before. But um, no, it just kind of spiraled and it was I never expected it. And um, it's still shocking to this day. You know, I'm sitting here talking to you when three years ago, you know, I would just kind of be <laughs> sitting on the couch doing whatever I'm doing, making dinner or whatever it may be, you know. So it's it's kind of fascinating that. I knew social media and I knew that I should have been, you know, I was an early adopter of Twitter, but I'd really never like got into it and didn't do it all the time. So there was probably a a pretty big gap of time, literally years where if I would have really got after it when I started, I probably could have, you know, 25 or 50 or or more thousand followers instead of the, you know, 9,000 that I have. And then Uh, likewise with Instagram, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to get to, you know, there's magic numbers now. You got to get to 10,000 followers in order to be able to send links off into your stories and send them to different places. And it it seems like an an abominable task to go from where I'm at at 3,500 to another 6,500. I have no idea how that's going to happen other than just time and effort and hard work, which is the only principles I've ever employed doing this show or doing anything else that I've ever done, day job or otherwise. And there seems to be an idea that you can get an account, you can take other people's photos that are really sexy just by going to Google and throwing them up there. And then way down in the description, you can put a little camera icon and say, uh, photo credit grill mama. And then it just like buried, you're burying the lead. And, but I see a whole bunch of accounts that are gaining hundreds of followers a day 
And I, if I get three, I'm like, yeah, three. And <laughs> you're, if they you're, get, you're not negative for the day. Yeah, <laughs> right. I don't want to lose anybody. I want to stay at least, you know, where I'm at. But uh, right. and other people are pissed if they don't get 200 or 300 followers a day with whatever algorithm they're trying to use to to crack the system. So from somebody who has seen it, you know, two or three years ago when you first started to where it is at now and how you said it's such a different monster. Like, what's the what are the ethics? And I've I talked to Jess Priles about this maybe a year or two ago. And I wanted to get your take on it as well. Like from from an ethical standpoint, she called it the the dark underbelly of social media and yeah. Instagram. So, like, what are your what are your thoughts on that? And and um, what's the best way to to build a legitimate engaged following? So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start by just saying how it was a couple years ago for those, um, especially on Instagram, that are maybe newer on the scene and don't understand exactly what has changed within Instagram. So um, a couple years ago, you were able to post your content, create your hashtags, and your followers would all anybody who followed you would see your content, and now it's a whole different thing. They talk about this algorithm where Instagram decides and the algorithm is like this magical place. Like, I don't want to say magical because it it really has a negative connotation to a lot of people, (laughs) but we don't know how Instagram now decides which of your followers see your, sees your content. So sure. I might have over 80,000 followers, but I'm lucky that 10% of the people who follow my account even see my content. Um, and, I did a post a couple days ago, uh, maybe five days ago, and it was talking about how you were saying that, you know, Jess was saying the dark underbelly of Instagram. You have these accounts that are repost accounts. And um, this, it really makes me ill because you have these big accounts and I'm not here to name names, but people on Instagram and social media, most people know who they are, where these people take your content without your permission repost it on their page. And like you said, Greg, they write a caption that's like this long. And then at the very, very bottom, they'll put, you know, a picture, oh, you know, by whoever, grill mama, whoever it is. And the reality is most people that are on Instagram, they're just scrolling through their phone and they see the first sentence or two, um, so many characters, and they never even see that. And there's these repost people that are actually teaching classes now and charging people a small fortune of money to teach them how to take your content, your picture. So I sat there, you know, bought that food, cooked that food, you know, created that picture, you know, worked my butt off to make sure it looked nice for my account. And these people just come and cherry pick the best pictures off of Instagram, put them on their page, bury the credit. And what happens? People think that's their content. And, and they created that. And so they have the very best of the best pictures and their account following goes crazy. Mm. Um, you see these people, 500, 600, 700,000 followers. Um, I just saw an Instagram today where another person did a podcast with somebody and it was a reposter. And I was going to keep my mouth shut. Um, but I know this gentleman. I met him before. And I sent him a message, and he he was saying, oh, how great the podcast was and everything. And I said, well, I just sent up a private message and said, hey, I said, it just really sucks that you took somebody who earned all of those following, you know, all of those followers by stealing everybody's pictures. (laughs) And, you know, it's not just, you know, these people are profiting off of our content. Like, uh, there's some of these big group poster accounts are making six figures plus. And why? They only, you know, have this popularity because 
they took everybody's pictures, you know, and, and to teach classes and charge people. And, you know, they think it's laughable when people say, well, shouldn't you ask permission to the original content creator, like these people these, you know, that take these classes, because I know people who have, and it's almost a laughable situation. They're like, why would you do that? It's like, but there's copyright laws, right? But they don't care about that. Um, and they get away with it. And then, of course, there's the other people that buy, you know, comments or video views. And you'll see these accounts now growing 500 people a day. You, Greg, know how hard that is. I know how hard that is. I have an authentic following. Like, I work my butt off to create my content to get to where I am today. Um, and it's such a small community of people anymore that are that are honest, creating the content, doing it, you know, not buying into these third parties that inflate your following. Um, and it's really disheartening to a lot of people, even companies, even companies taking, I just one of my um, good friends on Instagram has a company, he bought their product. They took his picture are now actually multiple pictures are using it for advertising, never credited him with a picture, never asked his permission and are blatantly using his photography, his pictures hmm. off of Instagram, took them to advertise on Facebook. Wow. And they won't respond to his messages, comments, <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so how you'd said that, you know, some of these accounts are making legit six figures. I mean, is it just, is that all they're in it for then? I mean, is it just a straight Absolutely. up cash grab and that's it? <laughs> And whenever it runs out, they run out. But while the iron's hot, we're going to strike it. Absolutely. Yeah. Because what a lot of people don't realize um, is that these people, obviously companies, the more followers that somebody has, the more a company is going to pay them for sponsored content. And a lot of these co um, company or these reposters, that's the only time they'll actually cook something or post something that they took a picture of. And it's because somebody's paying them like thousand dollars and multiple thousands of dollars to produce that content, um, sponsored content on their page. And it's, it's laughable almost sometimes because some of the bigger accounts, you'll see them finally cook something or do an Instagram live or whatever it may be. And it's laughable, you know, and there's like, oh, and there's like a big joke, like when reposters actually cook. And that's not to say that all of them can't cook because there's people that can, but it's like, why that the, instead of just having an account where it's just their food, which they can absolutely do if they can cook and they can grill, they're in it for the money if they're just blatantly trying to grow followers by taking everybody's content. There's reposters that will stop reposting after they get a couple hundred thousand followers because they know at that point they have a yard full of grills because they've already <laughs> solicited a bunch of grill companies and you know it's like a junkyard out there um, because they know they're at that amount of followers where they can make a lot of money off of it. But when approached and questioned and said, well, why don't you just, if you're really in this to be like a morally good person and create with just your content, why don't you start over? And they'll go, no way. Why would I do that? Because they know they're not going to get money. They know they're not going to get stuff. And they know, and you know, and I know how hard it is to grow followers these days. Um, the people who are doing it honestly, and even these accounts that are honest that have a couple hundred thousand followers that have amazing content. Um, I take, there's one um, account on Instagram, Jules Food. She, um, wonderful, wonderful person, gorgeous pictures, stunning photography. Her stuff gets stolen. I, I can't even tell you how much. Um, 
and, and, you know, repost it all the time. Like myself, I have so many of those people blocked where they just can't take my pictures or I report them. And a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to upset people. I'm like, they're stealing yeah, your stuff, <laughs> by the way. You're stealing your stuff. You're <laughs> like, what What the hell do you care, right? <laughs> like, um, for me, you know, I, I'm finally at that point where I'm like, no, I, that's it. You know, I'm, I'm done being Mr. Nice Guy. And some people will message them and be like, oh, you didn't ask permission. I'm like, they know what they're doing. You know, they're, 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 they're blatantly just taking it and they don't care. The problem is on Instagram, you report something they're already getting that value out of your content. So by the time Instagram takes that picture down, they've already, you know, gained followers off your picture, your content views. And so many people that comment under these reposters' pictures will think that it's the reposters' cook. And they'll ask questions like, oh, you know, what a great job, or how did you do this or that? And I'd sit there and watch that. And, you know, a year, year and a half ago, I used to, like, pop into the comments and go, actually, this is mine, you know, and this is how I did it. <laughs> and then I got to the point, I'm like, the hell with this, you know, yeah. I'm just <laughs> block all of you. And, um, you know, if people want to see my content, they can come to my page. And it's just, it's frustrating, right? Um, uh, so many people were just... We're happy to be positive. Actually, after I did that article on Instagram the other day, I lost like 50 followers. Wow. And it, it's interesting. And people say, like, you know, do you regret that? I'm like, absolutely not. Yeah, you're weeding because, out the filth. Ex- well, that's exactly it, Craig. And so many, I had so many amazing messages after that because a lot of people had no idea what these people were doing. The person who did that podcast, um, and I messaged them and I said, you know, that's a shame that you, you know, had somebody on and you're kind of, and they're like, wait, what? They, they're a repost account? I'm like, how do you have somebody on your podcast and you didn't even read their, you know, their, <laughs> their, uh, you know, you didn't look at their account to see that that 90, like 8% of the content isn't even theirs. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, I wish I knew that before I had them on. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> called know? prep work. Yeah, well, exactly. And I just I, I just kind of shook my head. I'm like, I said, well, now you see exactly what I'm talking about. Like, if you read, uh, you know, what I wrote in that um, that post that one day, um, it was really eye opening to a lot of people, um, and especially people with smaller accounts. Right. Yeah. Um, the people with the larger accounts are often the targets of the reposters and they see that happen to them all the time. Um, so it was, um, I, am I'm, I'm happy I did it. And a lot of people are like, thank you for um, bringing this to our attention. They honestly, you know, had no idea. And it's about protecting. It's like, yeah, it's like, you know, doing a painting and somebody going, well, here, I'm going to swipe that painting you just did and sell it for a couple million dollars, but you don't get shit, you know, <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't fly with that anymore. So when you ha- when you are legitimately at your following and you've put in the work and mm-hmm. now you have companies approaching you, whether yeah. they're offering you some money for sponsored posts or some products or whatever, since you want to maintain that validity and that authenticity, that's not a word, uh, the authenticity <laughs> of you know your whole account, uh, like, how do you go about picking who you're going to partner with or what are you taking into consideration in order? Because, I mean, that's a big deal, right? I mean, you've talked about, yeah. you know, for the last number of minutes on how important it is to stay away from this or not do this. Um, right. You know, the last thing you want to do is then look like a shill, right? It, exactly. Um, there's a couple different type of people in social media. There are people that will take everything and anything that somebody offers them. 
And um, then there's the people that will only promote something they truly believe in. And when I get approached by a company, um, whether it's a, you know, like a product or something, I'm like, I have to try it out first. And I had, I had a company that refused to work with me because they want me to promote their product without ever using it. Mm. And I'm like, absolutely not. I'm like, I, you know, I get comments and emails and direct messages of people asking me my opinion on whether, you know, this versus that, whatever, what I truly thought about something. And I'm going to put something on my page that I've never even touched or used, or, you know, if it's a grill turned on, I'm like, absolutely not. Um, the same, you know, if it's a, a rub, uh, whatever it might be, what, whatever kind of product, whether it's, you know, food wise or, you know, electronics, you know, like grills, sous vide machines, whatever the heck it may be. Um, I'm like, until I, you know, if I don't like it, no, here, I'll send it back to you. I don't care. Um, but I refuse to promote something I don't believe in. Um, and there are so many people that you look at their accounts and that's all it is. Um, and it's one thing to, you know, um, you know, grills I bought, um, that I, I absolutely like, I will put, like I said, with my big green egg, I've always put, yes, it's a big green egg, you know, hashtag and everything, um, even though I bought that myself and I have always done that. Um, and there's a lot of people that do sponsored content and there's very strict rules, right? You have to, you know, put that it's sponsored or put that it's an ad or right. whatever it may be. And a lot of people don't do that. And they try to kind of shelter how much of their content really is paid content. There's a lot of people that are good about it, but I think Instagram these days is getting to be, it looks more like, more like a big ad, um, <laughs> for a lot of people. Sure. Um, and I think a lot of the fun is gone out of it. Um, I'm starting to get to the point where I'm reevaluating where I might be going in 2019 because, wow. you know, I look at so many accounts and that's all it is, um, is promoting this or that, like at nauseum. And, um, there's there's more to life than just that. Um, I think if you took social media away from some of these people, it would be like their whole life just crashed down. Oh, right? for sure. <laughs> they wouldn't know what to do with themselves. No doubt. Um, but I need to um, – I haven't done a lot of work on my website. I really want to start getting recipes up there. Um, I just started it last October, so there's not a ton of content on it. Um, but it's something I really want to you know look to, at least going forward to 2019, um, doing more of. And – you know, I think people want that too. <laughs> All right, so right. I've done it with the other two guests. You want to do a lightning round? Sure. All right. Let's cue the great music here. The <laughs> wonderful Milt Buckner, as we just talked about stealing. I'm stealing his music, but that's all right. Uh, <laughs> if they, if the family wants me to pay uh, some royalty, I'm happy to do it. The music is great. <laughs> all right, here we go. I'm going to give you some choices, and you just shout out which one you would prefer. Okay. And we will start with the standby Bobby Flay or Alton Brown. Alton Brown. Uh, lump or briquette? Lump all the way. Reverse sear or normal sear? That depends. No, reverse <laughs> sear or normal sear? Uh, big beef reverse sear. <laughs> uh, yes or no? Searing seals in the juices. No. Uh, let it rest or let's eat? Let it rest. Spatchcock or beer can chicken? No beer can chicken. <laughs> uh, open pit or sweet baby rays? <laughs> um, sweet baby rays diluted down with some vinegar. <laughs> okay. I like that. I like that. 
Uh, Sazerac or old fashioned? Old fashioned. 25 year old Pappy Van Winkle, life changing or bank changing? <laughs> Am I going to get shot if I say bank changing? No, that's what I say. <laughs> bank changing, of course. A brisket or beef ribs? Ooh, are we talking about beef short ribs like yes. dino bone? Yes. <sighs> brisket. Uh, ribeye or the field? Ribeye. Gas or charcoal? Charcoal. Big Mac or Whopper? Whopper. Burgers or hot dogs? Burgers. Ketchup or mustard? Ketchup. Tea or coffee? Tea. Money. Love the smell of coffee, though. Money or free time? <laughs> Any more? Free time. Shaving or waxing? <laughs> waxing. Podcasts or radio? Podcasts. Family Guy or South Park? Oh, that's a hard one. Love them both, but I'm going to go Family Guy. All right. I like it. I like Family Guy, too. That's my favorite. <laughs> Although I do love a good South Park. Uh, yeah, in like any people. event, you can currently still follow her on Instagram at Grill Mama. In real life, she is Melissa Rio. Melissa, really appreciate the time this evening talking about everything from social media to the Thanksgiving stuff, cooking in general. And I uh, hope to do it again soon. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Greg. Have a great night, honey. You too. There she is. <laughs> Melissa Rio talking about all things social media and... Hold on, there we go. via the Traeger Grills Hotline. That's some good talk right there, man. I mean, I don't think we talk nearly as much as we should about what's right in social media, what's wrong in social media. We did it, as I'd mentioned, with Jess Pryles probably well over a year ago. Always good to get that conversation refreshed because if you're looking to get into it, the people doing it the right way can find the people that are not doing it the right way very easily. So that was some great info. Loved it. Great insight. 85,000 followers, homemade, by the way. Again, I'm at 3,500, and I'm like, am I ever going to crack four? <laughs> hey, the barbecue guru has believed one thing and one thing only. Cooking should be easy. You know why? Because it can be. Especially with the Monolith Barbecue Guru Edition Grill. The Monolith is the world's first temperature-controlled smoker with a built-in power draft fan. This means smarter control, greater freedom with automatic temperature control. In fact, Stephen Reichland said he was hanging out with Bob Trudnack. Was it yesterday? They were cooking on Monolith and the new CyberQ. Easily choose your cooking time and temperature. Let the monolith do the work of a sous chef or barbecue pitmaster. With minimal effort, you now have oven-like precision at the grill. It can serve the tastiest, juiciest meals each and every time. By the way, if you get a monolith with the built-in fan and you already have a Guru controller, great news! You do not. You do not. Hello, you do not. Andrew, Jeez. you are not. Man, oh man. Trouble. You don't have to buy a brand new controller in order to get that monolith to work right. Just hook the temperature controller that you have to the fan that's built into the monolith and away you go. Have any questions? You call them 800 288 GURU. That's 800 288 GURU. Or you can visit the website bbqguru.com. That's bbq 
barbecueguru.com. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. We're back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you've found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. It's the living in hypocrisy that excites me the most. Don't steal anything. Don't do this. Don't do uh, we're going to play the lightning round, and I'm just going to put up somebody else's music. What a loser I am. God, so ashamed. Melissa, I'm sorry. Email from John Dawson. Subject line, social pimps. Ramps, who knew that shilling with rich was a pioneer in this industry? <laughs> yeah, no kidding, John. Whatever happened to shilling with rich? Rich, hope you're doing mediocre, my friend. Mediocre at best. All right, let's go ahead and make tracks out of here all the way back in the first hour. Barbecue Hall of Famer Stephen Reichlin was in talking about turkey methods, what he's going to be doing on Thursday, side dishes, pimp the brisket chronicles indirectly. We also talked about Thanksgiving in his childhood and some of the great gifts that one might be considering giving. He has some on his website, barbecuebible.com. Then we talked with Adrian Miller, the soul food scholar, adrianemiller.com, his website. And we talked about some of the different styles of turkeys that he has seen through his travels. Also talked about soul food sides. We talked about chitlins and the chitlin festival. Was that in the Carolinas, Adrian? He also talked about lemon icebox cake, I think. Pie, lemon icebox pie. Don't forget to send me that recipe. The new book, Black Smoke, is being worked on right now. Then we closed out the show with Melissa Riom at Real Mama. 85,000 followers plus on Instagram, talking about uh, what she recalls from Thanksgiving, what she's going to be doing this Thanksgiving, which uh, A, is working, and then trying to pound it out after the fact. And then we got deep into social media, especially Instagram, and what it looked like two, three years ago and where it's at present day. So if you missed anything, go back and get the replays on podcast. First hour coming up tomorrow. Melissa will be up on Thursday, and then the best of show will be on Friday. Big show planned for you next week, as always, September 11th, 2001. I will never forget till next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is your program host and proud U.S. American Greg Rempe saying good night now.